So welcome back to this, the last episode for this short series on my heathenry. And today we have a very, very special guest around the virtual campfire. We have with us today, or joining us all the way from Missouri, we have Gothi Beast from Awaken the North, which is an international inclusive heathen organization. And he's come to maybe have a chat with us today, maybe have a, a drink and warm knees and have a biscuit around the virtual campfire with us to talk about his heathenry. So welcome, Gothy Beast, around the virtual campfire. It is lovely to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. And so we've maybe talked a little bit in this series about different people's spiritualities and different people's understandings of heathenry and how they relate to that faith, how they practice that faith. So in your own spirituality or faith practice, what kinds of things are important to you? Well, as a Norse heathen, Norse pagan, I think one of the most important things of our religion, as far as I'm aware, is to live as you talk. Uh, walk, walk the walk and talk the talk, if you will. Um, it's mm -hmm. all fine and dandy to read the Havamal, read the Edas, read the, the stories that we have. But if you look at them just as stories instead of handbooks for life, then you don't really get as much out of it as you should. So I try to live my life uh, by the, not mandates, but the uh, the ideals that we have passed down to us from the ancestors on how to live. So there it's sort of taking that that knowledge and those patterns almost and applying them to yourself in the modern world and applying those ideals. Right. There's a popular set going around these days that I'll not get into the lineage of or who created or why they're good or bad. Uh, but in essence, at the face of it, uh, the nine noble virtues, it's a set of ideals that was compiled recently from the lore and the, uh, the writings and codified into almost similar to our 10 commandments, though not quite that holy, <laughs> not venerated that hard. But it uh, gives you a general idea. And the Nine Noble Virtues give you basically the, the groundwork for how, as a just a decent human, you should live your life. And I strive to live my life following that code of ethics that we have available. So you, you're talking there about sort of taking that, those written down, even though some of them are, are quite modern in understandings and interpretations, but taking those those ethics, those values, and blending them into your everyday life. So how does the way you approach your faith blend in? You were talking there sort of almost like a whole life approach. Well, yes. It, for me, being a North Eden is not something I do on the weekends. It's not mm. a, a part-time gig. Uh, as a Gothi, I am approached literally every hour of the day by folks who need my help with guidance or what's this or how do I do this or I'm having this issue or help me with that. So it's not something that it's not like a banker. I get to hang up my hat at 5 p.m. and go home. It's something that I have to be available pretty much all the time for those who would need me. And I know that 
there's some who uh, are in my position and other groups who don't have that what's the word um, reachability. Some folks put themselves up on pedestals or other allow others to put them up on pedestals to where they're unreachable, untouchable. You can't approach them. They don't have that familiarness with them. Uh, that's not how I view heathenry. We're all in this together. If there's something that I need help from you from, I come to you. If there's something that you need help from me from, you come to me. And that's We're all in this together. And we should be taking part of it equally. It's, uh, so it's, it's very much a sort of... Um down there in it with 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 everyone else and you know sort of i I hesitate to say getting your hands dirty but right that's that's exactly what it is yes Mm. yep the only reason that i am a gothi whereas others are not is because i have spent more time studying and learning that's it yeah there's nothing special about me there's nothing privileged about me there's nothing better than you that i am that makes me what I am. I'm simply the one that has the ability and the desire to do the life of a Gothi. I have that ability to serve the people and help the people and do what needs to be done. I have the time required and the desire to build Awake in the North as a safe place for anyone to be able to come and learn, grow, get help, do what they need to do in their own personal life. The only reason I'm in charge is because I was the one that was there, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're talking there about being in a position of, of knowledge and having that ability to have that time and skills to be able to help others along their path. But right. for yourself, how has your own faith practice sort of developed since you first began to follow this path for yourself? Oh, leaps and bounds. Um, the difference in what I do now, as opposed to what I did then, um, I've been doing this for God's, uh, 20 years, almost 20 years now, mm-hmm. long time. And when I first started, I was just like everybody else. It was, it was actually funny. The thing that brought me to heathenism was J.R. Tolkien, uh, with his hobbits books, uh, Lord of the Rings books. Um, I talked myself how to read and write in his version of the runes and then from there found out that the elder futhark were actually a thing and that's what prompted me on my path of heathenry but uh was at the beginning just like most you think it's all about the pomp and circumstance you have to say the exact right words at the exact right time and have this specific crystal and that specific knife and have to use this kind of bowl and you have to be everything just the, the whole ceremony side of things. Um, yeah. I spent a good deal of time in the Roman Catholic, so that, that tainted my view as well. Over the years I've grown, I've realized that most of the gods respond just as well to Mountain Dew in a Dixie Cup as they do to six-generational <laughs> me. It's the intent behind not so much the theater of. And now my ceremonies, I've got my personal ceremonies that I do that generally are simple. Uh, My daily routine is nowhere near as dramatic and detailed as my uh, like seasonal routines, rituals and such. When I'm working with my kindred and performing ceremonies for my kindred, then we have the pomp and circumstance because that's what the people want. And it's a good nod to the gods on this special day. It, It 
brings it up a little bit better of, hey, we're going to honor you a little bit more today by putting on our clean clothes and, and talking pretty and making sure our horn is clean. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to normal everyday, uh, there's times where my morning prayers are done in my pajama bottoms with a cup of coffee on the front porch as the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. And as I've grown in my faith, I've realized that that's perfectly okay. The gods accept your pajama offerings just as well as they do your full-out furs and face paint offerings. I like the pajama offerings versus full-out furs and face paint offerings. That's that's a lovely yeah. image. <laughs> Hence, henceforth, they will be pajama offerings. That's the term for them. That's the term for them now. <laughs> Yeah. Don't get me wrong, there are times and situations where the full-out pomp and circumstances is needed because it builds the, the framework, it builds the space, it builds the mindset. But those are special occasions like the the High Holy Days or, or uh, ceremonies for births, deaths, things like that. But the everyday, day-to-day, you don't have to worry about all the pomp and circumstance. And that's something that a lot of newbies come to me and ask and fret about is, oh, I don't have this specific altar. Or I don't have this specific statue. And I'm like, dude, the statues that I have on one of my personal altars were literally hand-painted by a friend uh, out of little wooden pigs. They're little pig people. And because my friend spent the time and energy to paint them for each of the gods... No, they don't look great. Yes, they look like something a second grader did, but he put his heart and love into making them. Therefore, they have a place of honor on my altar, and it's the altar I use the most. It doesn't have to be this big, shiny, bronze statue that you bought from the store. They can be anything you want it to be. Mm. And I like that sort of, that developing through of, of coming to that awareness that you can sit and be very informal with the gods and just hold conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's all about the intent. Precisely. Mm. Yep. They know, to, to borrow a phrase from the Christians, the gods know what's in your heart. They know why you're doing what you're doing. And if they agree with why, then usually they'll lend a hand. If they don't agree with why, then they won't. It very seldom has to do with the how. Mm. Yeah. So you were Makes talking sense. about having sort of quite formal practices, not only regularly through a year, but also the sort of the the occasional practices or the irregular practices through a year, like those big sort of life ceremonies that you can have. Uh, right. within a kit or within a group but you were there talking also about like daily daily practice as well or daily prayer or daily connection daily ritual right uh, every morning in the mornings uh well i would love to say every morning because i'm a good heathen but i am a human <laughs> so most mornings we'll go with most mornings yeah um i have a uh set of elder futhark that are done in sort of like a rosary style and i have a prayer that i say on the front uh, doorstep uh, as i'm going through my prayer beads uh, that go through the uh, the runes and basically invite their powers and the gods into my life for the day that sounds like a really lovely way to start a day it is 
And you can definitely tell, like, I can definitely tell the differences in the days that I do and the days that I don't. Mm. So, yep. Mm. I think a lot of it is it starts your day off in that mindset of, all right, I'm facing my day. I've got these powers behind me. I've got the wealth of Fehu. I've got the strength of Uru's, the protection of Thurisaz, and down through. And it's building yourself up with the knowledge that you've got this at your back all day long. And it basically gives you that, that extra little oomph along with the cup of coffee. The coffee <laughs> stimulates your physical and the prayer stimulates your spiritual. Mm. And that's what gets me through the daylight. I'll also go through uh, during the day if I'm having a really rough time and I'm I'm six foot four and a full blood Scott. I've been told I can be stubborn sometimes. I don't see it personally because I'm always a, a loving, fun to be around guy. But apparently, sometimes I can get stubborn and cranky. When that happens, uh, kind of like the commercials you see now for the uh, the Snickers bar where you get hangry and you're not quite yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. my, Snickers, my Snickers is this prayer. And I'll grab my beads and I'll go out and I'll grumble the prayer. And usually at the start of it, if I'm forcing myself to do it because I know I need to change my attitude, It'll start with the grumbling of the, I've got the wealth of the Fehu and the strength of Urus, and this is stupid. The protection of Thursas and <laughs> got the wisdom of Ansus, and I don't want to do this as dumb, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> by the time I'm done, usually going through all four of, or all 24 of them finds that inner peace in my soul, and I'm able to calm down and breathe and realize, oh, hey, I might have been hard headed on this thing, and I need to change my thoughts on it. So not only using it as sort of a, a morning ritual, but also using it through the day when you recognize you need to, to have that moment to step away and refocus. Right. Mm. It's a centering tool for me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. As for other ways of honoring the gods and, and ways I deal with them on a, a daily basis or uh, mostly daily basis, uh, I do have devotional candles dedicated to several of the gods that are out there. And as the need arises, I will uh, light the candle and say a short prayer and allow the candle to burn as long as I feel it needs and then uh, snuff it out and use it again another day. So that's a, a impromptu thing that doesn't take a lot of a lot of uh, ceremony or pomp and circumstance or anything. Just a simple little, hey, my friend is feeling ill. I'm going to light a candle to air and offer a, a quick offering and prayer to her to heal him physically. So I'll light the candle air and say a short prayer and sometimes leave an offering. And then when I feel that it has run its course, I'll snuff it out and keep the candle for next time. A friend of mine just had a, a court case that came up and need to have some extra help in the judgment side of things. So I lit a candle to Forsetti to give him the just outcome of the case. And thankfully it turned out well and Forsetti was able to make the desired outcome be the outcome that came apparently he thought it was a just outcome as well that's the thing with Forsetti is you can you can ask him for a just outcome he's going to give you a just outcome whether you feel it is or not <laughs> yeah not yeah. necessarily yeah. one that you like <laughs> right yeah. so yeah i've got a whole wide array of, of candles that i do for individual gods and goddesses as the the need arises um those are quick little impromptu things um of course, my family, when we sit down for supper together, we have our, our evening prayer that we do over the meal. 
uh, that uh, we all take turns with. I've got four kids, and the four children take turns uh, saying the evening blessing over the meal. Then at night, usually I'll spend a, a quick five, ten minutes in quiet contemplation and meditation and basically just open myself and say, hey, it's been a good day. Does anyone have anything they need to talk to me about? And, mm-hmm. and just open myself up to the gods and goddesses to tap me on the shoulder or kick me in the head if I'm ignoring them. And, <laughs> and it's their bit of art. So, yeah. Mm. So thinking about the, the gods and goddesses there, when you're saying uh, you sort of allow yourself to have that quiet, focused time at the end of the day to say, hey, is there anything, any direction I need to be pointed in or anything I need to be looking towards? Do you have maybe one or two of the gods that you most resonate with? Well, my patron god, the one that I work with the most, uh, is Blaggy, the god of eloquence, god of poetry. Uh, He made himself known in my life uh, several years ago in a rather profound way. Did I mention I'm I'm Scottish and stubborn sometimes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bragi has big boots. I'll tell you that. When you try to ignore him as much as you can, and then suddenly you feel that boot upside your head, it gets your attention quick. So he and I have been working together for years now, and he's the one that I, I venerate the most. Other than that, I don't really have a specific that I work with. It's usually whoever is needed for the situation that we're doing. I give honor to all the Aesir, all the Vanir, a good chunk of the Jotun, and it's it's developing that friendship with them, that uh, not the close, uh, interclose personal relationship that Brage and I have, but mm-hmm. the familiarity to where I can I can feel comfortable with coming to them and saying, hey, I know we don't talk much, but this person needs your help in this. Would you mind giving a hand? One of the others that I do more often throw honor to is Frigg. Most of it, she is my wife's uh, patron. Mm-hmm. So out of respect for my wife, out of respect for Frigg for uh, being her patroness, I'll toss extra offerings and, and hellos up to, to Frigg as I think about it. Yeah, so it's is the you were talking there about the relationship with Bragi being quite a, a deep one, quite a profound one for you. Is that the first relationship with one of the individual gods that developed or were there ones that came in and out of your life before he did? There were ones that came in and went beforehand. Um, there's a couple that I still work with, not as closely, but uh, still in depth. But right now, uh, Bragi is the one that I work with the most. It's it's one of the things where I don't want to, I don't work exclusively with. He's just the one that I work with the most. Mm. That's quite fun. Yeah, and maybe just to finish us off, um, just for for this episode, do you have a favorite story from the myth cycle? And can you say maybe a little bit about why that particular one is your favorite? Well. For a while now, my favorite has been uh, the saga of Bort, uh, Burnt Nell. As to why, is honestly because of you ladies and your episodes that you did on them. <laughs> and, and the host. Uh, that was one of my favorite friends is we went off in there. Just the, the, the agreeance with you of the absurdity of 
she killed this guy, killed that guy, killed that guy, killed that guy, and the husband finally got mad when she stole cheese. Really? <laughs> All yes. <laughs> yeah. Proportion, come on. <laughs> when she stole cheese. I mean, that's, that's just, that's amazing. So, yeah. uh, uh, Sigurd and Fafnir have always been a fun one for me. That's one of my my favorites just for mm. uh, the joy of reading. The one that I've tried intentionally to stay away from the most are the ones that deal with Ragnarok. I know the timeline, I know the stories, but I do not study them. I do not focus on them because that tends to lead down a rabbit hole of focusing on the end of things. And that's not what we need to focus on at the moment. If it comes, it comes. If it's already gone, then it's already gone and worrying about it's not going to do anything. So there's many different uh, ideas that Ragnarok has already happened. There's ideas that Ragnarok is coming. There's some ideas that we're in the middle and there's, there's scholars that will argue it all three ways. But for me, I avoid that topic because there's so much other more interesting things to focus on today than worrying about what tomorrow brings. I like that. I think that's a lovely, maybe a lovely note to finish on, especially for this sort of little mini series of, of my heathenry is what do we choose to, to focus our time on today? What are the most immediate things to us that maybe we can put our time, our energy, our skills into doing that will help us develop our path, that will help us develop our faith practice? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say thank you very much to our final guest of this short series. Uh, thank you very much, Gothy Beast, for joining us all the way from thank Missouri you. to the virtual campfire uh, and it's being been a pleasure guest to be here <laughs> for this time. Lovely people around the virtual campfire, thank you very much for sharing this short series with us. Um, we hope you've enjoyed these little snapshot explorations into how people explore their own heathenry and hopefully it might resonate a little bit with how you explore your own. So thank you very much and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.